All right. Well, once again, hi, everyone. Welcome to Christ Central Church. Great to see you, and welcome to those who are joining us online. My name is Joe Crummy. I'm going to be speaking today, so thanks for being with us. And again, big thank you to Rebecca and Jess for uh, such a great time at our Retro Boogie dance party last night. Um, for all of your sake and sanity, I changed. So what I wore last night, it's not going to be repeated, okay? So we were in the 70s mode, and uh, we had a lot of fun. All right, so a question as we um, start, and is this, can anyone guess where I was 29 years ago right now? I know a lot of you weren't even born, but any guesses where I was 29 years ago as we speak? Ollie, you know me so well. Did everyone hear that? New Zealand. I was in New Zealand this time 29 years ago, and so I think I even have some photos from it. So this is from 1994. That is me and my sister, Laura Lee, who was living in New Zealand for a year. And if we go to the next one, that was near the um, hot springs, you can see. And these are my cousins. So this is my cousin, Lauren, who's a bit older than me. Is Sean, who is on my shoulders, was here in 2011. And that summer, we had a retro boogie dance party at 487 Brunswick Street, and he was there. So that's connecting. And Lauren um, was here for Angeline when we were married in 97. And Gail and Wilf got to meet um, some of my family when they were in New Zealand a few years ago. So now, what's the connection between New Zealand? Thank you, Graham, for that. Is New Zealand is famous for sheep. There are Millions more sheep in New Zealand than there are people, and it is a big deal, and this is our, one of our sheepies from um, New Zealand, which was way more popular before Ikea started having them from Sweden. Um, you had to actually go to New Zealand back in the day to get one of these, and we have um, a bunch of them that were uh, from New Zealand, which is really soft and comfortable, and when you're there, I mean, it's, it is kind of cute. There's little lambs, and they're so cute, and they're, you know, kind of vulnerable and innocent and a little bit smelly, but we won't get into that. And it's a big deal in New Zealand about their sheep. What was that? Like, uh, well, I wasn't going to say it, Santiago, but you brought it up. So, like, some of our kids, yes, indeed. How do I, how do I continue from that? <laughs> So here's the thing. I've always found it difficult and a struggle to connect little lamb, innocent, all of that, to Jesus being the lamb of God. I'll be honest. So I can handle, okay, we talked two weeks ago, Jesus the anointed one, king of kings, lord of lords, even Jesus as the good shepherd, Jesus as the light of the world, Jesus as the bread of life, Jesus as the resurrection life, Jesus, I am the gate, like I am the vine. I can, all those make much more sense to me. But Jesus, lamb of God, and we just sang, a lot of our songs included that line in it even this morning. Jesus, the lamb of God. And yet, if we go back and we see in the Bible when Jesus began his ministry, John the Baptist was sent before Jesus, and John the Baptist was sent by God to prepare the way for Jesus. And it's interesting, the first time John the Baptist sees Jesus, this is what we 
read. And this is in John chapter 1. And it says this, The next day John, that's John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, or look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Of all the things John could have said, Behold, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. So John's equating Jesus, Son of God, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So why is Jesus, the Son of God, called the Lamb of God? And beyond that, what difference does that make for your life and for my life? It's one thing to say, well, that's a title given to Jesus. Another thing to say, how does that actually apply to my life? Well, hopefully today we'll connect the dots and say, we'll see the connection. So question again as we start. Have you ever, and just to be honest, have you ever dealt with feelings of maybe shame, fear, anxiety? So shame is that whole thing of not just something that we do or that's been, but you just feel yucky about yourself. Or maybe you're embarrassed or maybe you just want to hide. Maybe you want to run away. Those feelings we have, sometimes we can be fearful of all kinds of things. We can be fearful of today, we can be fearful of the future, we can be fearful of missing out on things, we can have a fear of dying, we can have a fear of the unknown. And a lot of times we're anxious about things. And this is what I hope you understand today. Jesus as the Lamb of God addresses and deals with these real issues and i want to explain how that is so how does that make that connection first we need to look at a few things from the old testament and i'm going to say jesus is the lamb of god there's a couple of instances from the old testament that we can use to explain and we've done this before one has to do with the day of atonement and goats and lambs that's one whole thing so that's all true and we've spoken about that before but today i want to focus on jesus the lamb of god from another angle and we're going to take a look at just briefly, I'm going to tell you from the book of Exodus, chapter 11 and 12, and here's the historical account. If you remember, God's people, the Israelites, were enslaved to the Egyptians for 430 years. If you can imagine, remember Joseph and the people, they went to Egypt and they settled there and Joseph died and the next ruler came along, didn't remember the good that Joseph had done, and he's saying, these people... That's not my stomach. That is the sound system, just to be clear. Saying this, these people have multiplied, and they're going to take us over. And so the Egyptian ruler put the Israelites under slavery. And for hundreds of years, they served the Egyptians. And they called out to God, and there was injustice, and there was slavery, and there was people being killed, and great suffering. And they called out to God, and God heard them. And God provided Moses and Aaron to help lead his people. And remember, the plagues came, and Pharaoh just hardened his heart again and again and again. And Moses would say, you need to let us go so that we can worship our God. 
And Pharaoh would say no, or he'd give conditions, and Moses would be like, no, this is what we need to do. And at the very end of it, finally, God's bringing justice and freedom is coming, and we have the last plague, which is the plague of the firstborn. And this is what God told the Israelites. He said, I'm coming, and on this night, the firstborn of all both animals and families is going to be killed. And this is what you need to do to protect yourself. He says, the Israelites will be safe if they take a lamb, one for each household, and that lamb has to be pure and spotless, no defect. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to sacrifice the lamb, and you're going to take the blood, and you're going to put the blood over the doorposts of your home. And you're going to eat a meal together called the Passover meal. And this is what we read. And I think we have this scripture up here from Exodus 12, 13. God pass over you. And then he gives them instruction to do this feast every year and to remember to tell your children what we've done. Do you see? The blood will be a sign. It'll be a declaration. And God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you and you will be spared. You will be safe. Do you begin to see some of the similarities between Old Testament Passover, New Testament communion? And today we're going to share in communion. We're going to break bread. We're going to serve the cup. Do you see the similarities between Passover, New Covenant, communion. John the Baptist, behold Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And here's the connection that sometimes we miss, that just as the Israelites were under slavery to Pharaoh and the Egyptians, so we too, as all humanity, you and I, are under slavery to a different ruler, Satan, who rules this world. And that's where most of us miss it. We're like, Joe, I'm not under slavery. I'm free. But the reality is, and the Bible says this, says it's a different story. It says we are under the rule, dominion, reign, influence, authority of little P, prince of this world, Satan, who tricked and stole the authority and kingdom God gave to his creation in Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Eden. And humanity is under the consequences of this injustice, this sin. And the Bible says this, that Satan blinds and deceives and tricks and distorts and lies regarding God and ourselves. One of the biggest tricks is for him to trick us that he even exists. And we see the results of his trickery. Is that sin, the Bible says this, the Bible explains sin in so many different ways. It's disobeying God, but one of the big things is ignoring God. It's rebelling against God. It's choosing for us to put ourselves in control. And the Bible says when we act independent of God, guess what? Not good. <laughs> Bad things happen. And if we look in the world over history and today, and we sometimes wonder, how come not just people out there addicted?
And the Bible says this, that with Adam and Eve and sin came physical death and came a spiritual death. And the Bible says this, that really we're lost. And sometimes that can be offensive for us to hear. We don't like saying, I'm lost. And in real life, don't we sometimes, when we're lost, I'm not, it's embarrassing. Sometimes it's hard to admit. Sometimes we don't want to admit it. And sometimes it's by our own doing. Sometimes it's just the circumstances that come about. But the reality is, in order for us not to be lost, we have to admit we are lost. And that we need some help. And the Bible says this, all of us on planet Earth are made in the image of God. Therefore, there's value and respect and dignity for every single person. And there's good residual results of being made in the image of God. So people have gifts and talents and abilities that reflect our Creator's attributes and character. But we're in this great tension. We're valued. We have dignity because we're made in God's image, and yet we're tainted. That sin has entered, and we are enslaved to a different kingdom. And folks, this is what we don't want to miss out on. Jesus, and we've been talking about this for the last years, we've been beholding all the different aspects of Jesus. Jesus being the sent one, Jesus being the suffering servant, Jesus being the son of God, Jesus being the anointed one, the light of the world, the bread of life. And now we look at Jesus being the lamb of God, pure spotless, chosen, sacrificed. And just as that lamb was given back at the Passover, Jesus is our Passover lamb. And one of the most powerful passages that explains this is Isaiah 53. And we read this when we talked about him as the suffering servant. We're going to read some of it again today. And this is Isaiah 53, beginning at verse 4 through to 12. Let's just read this. Holy Spirit's influence and power hundreds of years before Jesus came. And think about Jesus on the cross, and this is what we read. Isaiah prophesied, Surely
Isaiah 53 points to Jesus, the Lamb of God. Isaiah 53 also points to you and I. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his or her own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Folks, we say it again and again. Jesus lived that perfect life. He obeyed every requirement of God. He's the Son of God, Son of Man. He went to Jerusalem. And Emma shared on Good Friday that for the joy set before him, he went. And he was brought before his accusers on trial. And they asked him to speak. And they tried to goad him on. In Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before her, shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Matthew 26, 62, 63, Pilate asked him, are you going to answer? But Jesus remained silent. Mark 14, 61, but Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Folks, Jesus died. His blood was shed. The pure, spotless, innocent Lamb of God. Isn't it interesting? In the Old Testament, it was Pharaoh's firstborn. You think the enemy firstborn was killed. Who was the firstborn over all creation? God gave his son. Died on the cross, we read this, darkness covered the land. And when Jesus died, justice was provided. There had to be justice for the sins of the world. And Jesus paid the penalty of that sin. The guilt that sometimes we feel when we do wrong is done away with as Jesus becomes our guilty one. Oh, we just want to escape. We want to hide. Jesus naked, shamed on the cross, takes away our shame. Sometimes we feel forsaken. We feel forgotten. Does God really care? Does anyone else? Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's taken it all on him. The brokenness was all put on Jesus. The consequences of a fallen, broken world are put on Jesus. And when he died, the Bible says this, the veil that separated people from God was torn in two so that we could have access to God. And just as we were reading, or singing earlier about the resurrected Jesus, that Jesus, when he's resurrected from the dead, shows that God has power over all things. Satan was defeated. God begins to establish his kingdom through Jesus. And the overthrow of this kingdom of darkness begins with the kingdom of light. Death is defeated. It no longer has the final say. Jesus conquered death. Sin, addictions, power, the pollution of sin, Jesus overcomes. And we don't have to be enslaved anymore. And the Bible says this, when we put our faith, we put our hope, we put our belief in Jesus, that we believe that Jesus' death was real, that we believe his resurrection was real, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that he died and was raised, and now is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding, he's praying for us, and one day he's returning. And when we say that, Jesus, I'm trusting you as the Lamb of God, that your blood covers my life. 
and that we follow and we're obedient to Jesus in baptism. When we go down under the water, which shows that our old life was dead as Jesus died on the cross. When we come up out of that water, it's that new life that God has given to us to live for him. And he gives us his Holy Spirit to live within us, a deposit guaranteeing we're marked, that we belong to God. And his Holy Spirit empowers us to live a life that pleases God. Our identity is now found in Jesus. We now have a belonging because we are now part of the family of God. We're accepted by God. We have purpose because now our life is to live for him. And we have hope. We have hope for today, but we have hope for tomorrow. Our life is in the capable hands of God, and he's not going to lose us. Jesus said, everyone the Father has given to me are in my hands. I'm not going to lose them. He's praying and interceding for us. And in Christ, as it was in the Old Testament, it's now for us. This blood will be a sign. And that when God comes to judgment, as he rightfully deserves to, he'll say this, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. What assurance. And Jesus goes on to say that one day there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be no more pain or suffering or evil or injustice. We read this in Revelation 21, verses 22 to 27. John, in this great revelation by the Holy Spirit, said this, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Do you see? The Lamb, the Lamb, the Lamb. So my question here this morning is, do you know that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life? Have you put your trust and faith and hope in Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world and takes away my sin? Have you received that his blood that was shed on the cross can be applied to you and I? Do we take ownership of that? Have we confessed with our mouth that Jesus is Lord? Have we believed in our heart that God has raised him from the dead? Do we demonstrate this love by obeying his commands, by following him? And as we've been talking about these last couple of years, being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. And ultimately, this leads to worship that our heart that our mind, that our lifestyle is, God, I want to worship and honor and serve you. I'm going to read to you from Revelation 5. It's quite a long passage, and I thought, instead of putting the words up, I just want you to listen. And this is, again, this great revelation that John had. Let me read this to you. 
Okay, it might help. If you want to, you can close your eyes if it helps you concentrate. But this is the whole passage of Revelation 5. You can read it more this week. John says this. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, that's the Father, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And John writes this, he says, Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. And each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And John writes this, And then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and a loud voice were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength in honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Amen. Worthy is this Lamb. Who was slain to receive all praise and honor and glory and power and jesus has purchased through his blood a people belonging to him from every nation tongue tribe people language and beautiful this morning we get to sing to god in swahili in english and french we get to sing to god in heavenly languages Every nation, tongue, tribe, people, language. Folks, if you're in Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, do you know that you're now part of a new kingdom? That's your identity. That's where you belong. We're now priests to serve our God through the whole of our lives, 24-7, at home, at work, at play. We get to worship and serve God. Folks, my heart is this. I just don't want any of us to miss out on what God has accomplished through Christ, through his death and resurrection. 
And in a moment, we're going to share, share our communion together. We're going to take the bread that represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. We're going to take the cup that represents the shed blood of Jesus, that blood that was poured out, that blood that gets applied to us, that when judgment comes, the Lord say, I see the blood, I pass by you. That folks in this broken and hurting world, God offers peace with him through his son Jesus. God offers eternal life. Eternal life is knowing God and the one he has sent, Jesus. That's eternal life. It begins now, but it goes on forever. So as we come to communion right now, I just want to take a minute and we're just going to be still. And I ask this question as we share communion. Have you called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, to save you? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? So let's just be still and you can wrestle through. Have you called on the name of the Lord to be saved? And if you haven't, I'm going to lead us in a prayer in a moment, but we'll just be still. Let the Holy Spirit speak. Be honest with yourself. Be honest before God. It's a holy moment here. before we take communion. Um, the Bible talks about different ways that we call on the name of the Lord. And I just want to give an opportunity to lead us in a prayer that we can call on the name of the Lord. And folks, the Bible's very honest. Sometimes it's really messy. When Jesus was on the cross, there were two thieves beside him. And the Bible says that they made fun of Jesus, they cursed him, they mocked him. And yet one of them, just before he dies, who minutes earlier was cursing and mocking Jesus, he said to Jesus, Jesus, when you enter your kingdom, will you remember me? It wasn't a very great prayer, pretty simple request. Somehow Jesus knew and heard and said, today you will be with me in paradise. Folks, Jesus looks at the heart. So we just want to take a minute, and maybe you're going to share in communion for the first time today, because... 
you're going to call on the name of Jesus to save you. So Lord Jesus, I just pray for anyone here who might be watching online. Holy Spirit, we just want to give space. And maybe where you are right now, you can whisper, you can just speak out, Jesus, I call upon your name. Call in the name of Jesus. He saves. You might not understand everything. But Jesus, I'm beholding today that you save. Only you are worthy. Only you are able to rescue. Only you are able to forgive. Only you are able to give life. And I call in the name of Jesus. Call in the name of Jesus. Call in the name of Jesus. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. He's our Savior. He's the Lamb of God who takes away my sin. Call on his name. Jesus saves. Jesus forgives. Jesus redeems. Jesus restores. Jesus resurrects. 